my goodness. Hey, good morning, Bridge Community Church. It is so exciting to be with you today. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And let me just say, it's an honor to speak with you and to you today. Why don't you just give your neighbor a fist bump? That was a lot of announcements. Like, just make sure that they're awake, like fist to fist, not fist to shoulder or fist to face, just fist to fist. You know what I'm saying? Just, just be real with them for a second. Um, Hey, we are in this super, super exciting series called Rooted, and the point of Rooted is to get you rooted in what you believe in, get you rooted in your faith. And let me just be straight with you. This series is more exciting than the Eagles offense. I said it. I said it. Like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, I want Carson Wentz to complete more than two passes a game. I do. I want, like, Sanders to run more than five yards in a game. I do. He's on my fantasy squad. Of course I want him to run. But, I, I, yeah, so this series has been challenging. It's been fun. It really kind of breaks you down to the core. The way that the Apostle Paul wrote this book, he wrote it in a way that's kind of like in your face. At least this, this half of the, of the book. The next half he's going to give you a hug. But this, this half is in your face. And so uh, the point, like I said, is to get you rooted in your faith. And really the timing of this series cannot be better. Like this world is so divided right now. Like not at me if you agree. Yet This world is so straight up divided. And so Paul is writing to a church that is also divided. He's writing to a church that's divided between two different people, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians or the, or the Roman Christians. And so he's writing to these two groups and, and he's really going to, he's eventually trying to get there one day so he can do missions work there. So he wants them to be united. And so what better time to read this book where the, the whole idea is just being united. And so Paul is so interesting. Paul doesn't go to a political argument to unite people. He doesn't go to a sociological or a psychological argument to unite people. He goes to theology. He goes to what you believe. He goes to truth, and he narrows down what you believe and why, and that's how he wants to unite people. So th- this, this portion that we're going to re- be reading today, Romans 4, 9 through 25, it's a lot, but it's really just kind of a... Um, an illustration of what Paul spoke last week, which is an illustration of what Kevin spoke the week before. So Paul, he actually kind of repeats himself or elaborates on himself. This is still fresh, new information, but you might hear the same kind kind of thing again. But my main point today is this. This is the thing that I want you to get. If you don't get anything else, throw that point on the screen. This is what I want you to get. God always provides what he promises God always provides what he promises. That's the one thing. If you forget everything else that I say, that's the one thing I want you to take away. Can I hear you say that? Ready? God always provides what he promises. That's so good. Can we pray today, this morning? God, I just thank you so much that you're here in this place. Lord, I thank you that you're going to speak to us. Speak to us clearly today. Speak to us for what you want us to hear through your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I think a lot of us in this time, um, we hit the shock in March, and then we kind of recovered in like April, May. New normal, and now we're kind of in this cruise control. (laughs) Maybe it's robotic. We're kind of in this phase of life that's like, 
okay, I can do this now. You know what I mean? Like we're kind of used to wearing masks. We're kind of, you know, with the whole thing. But we kind of hit this almost like a cruise control in our life. And sometimes if we're not careful, the cruise control leaks into our faith. And the cruise control leaks into our walk with God. So today I really want to show you how to get a vibrant faith that doesn't just go with season to season. It's a vibrant faith every single day. So my first point is this. Traditional faith is not transformational faith. Traditional faith is not transformational faith. This is what I don't mean by that. I do do not mean by any stretch of the imagination that a more liturgical style of church is less transformative than what we are doing here. That is not what I mean at all. That's not what I'm trying to say. Traditional faith is not transformative faith. You'll understand what I mean. Throw that verse up. Romans 4, we're going to start in verse 9. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews? Or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? So let me go back to go forward for a second. What he's talking about is the right standing with God, that right standing through faith alone. Is that only for people who are in the Jewish faith? Is that only for people who have been circumcised? That's the question that he's asking. Because here's the reality. A lot of the people in that time were like, they thought that you had to be circumcised to be a Christian. And so that's the context that we're walking into. Today, that would be crazy, but like that's the context that we're kind of we're kind of flying over. And so um, he was he was he was kind of addressing a traditional faith belief. And so Paul takes us to Abraham, the forefather of faith, to kind of debunk that. So continuing on in in verse nine. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous? Only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. So, okay, we can't make the connection. Circumcision doesn't really hold weight today. But what does that mean for us today? Circumcision today, like what that would, rec- what that would represent, would be any outward religious act that we contribute to faith. So what that means is sometimes in our life we allow religious actions to be, maybe they were once responses to faith, but we allow our religious actions to become faith. We allow the things that we maybe once were doing because God changed our heart, maybe once we're doing because, because he affected us, maybe once we were doing that, it was out of a response, out of an overflow, but now we're just kind of doing it because. And so that's what he's talking about. And I don't know what that is for you, but like, man, I've prayed over so many meals. At this point, I basically say the same thing every meal. (laughs) Are you with me here? Like, it's kind of gotten to the point where maybe once it was like, God, thank you for this. But now it's just, thank you, God. I need to do this before I pray, before I eat. (laughs) You know, I don't want to feel like a sinner before I eat, of course. (laughs) So, but maybe there's other things in your life. Maybe that's giving to the church for you. It was once an overflow, but now it's a religious act. Or maybe it's, it's even just coming to church. Maybe it's your expression in worship. Once was an overflow, but now it's just a religious act. And so Paul is, is diving into that, diving into that. Continuing on verse 11. Circumcision, check this out, was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So our actions, our faith actions should be a sign of our faith, not our, of the other way around. And, and here's the reality. Sometimes when we're in traditional faith, 
we're the thing that we think drives our faith, when in reality, God's power should be the thing that drives what we do. Because sometimes we have it backwards. We think we do, and that, that kind of promotes or, or gives God's power a, a, an avenue in our life. We do. But in reality, God's saying, no, no, don't even do until I'm there. Don't even do until my power is there. Don't even do religion. Don't even do what you think is good until I'm in it. And don't do anything unless I'm in it. And so he's saying here, like, God's power needs to be in it. And, and, and this is so good. Get this down. If you're taking notes, this is what a mentor told me a long time ago. This is so good. Literally, this was worth your gas money to get here. Doing the right thing with the wrong motive is still wrong. Wow. That hits me hard. Doing the right thing with the wrong motive is still hard. Traditional faith is not transformational faith because God's power is in the things that he's behind, not the things that we are behind. And so it's the things that he desires, not the things that we drive or fabricate. Continuing on. Oh, my bad. Continuing on. So Abraham is the father of, of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. But only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Allow... One thing that I'm thinking about and a reflection that I have about this is allow the motive to create movement in your life, not the other way around. Allow that desire, that hunger, that spirit that God's given you to create the movement, not movement to, to fabricate a mirage of what faith should look like. M- motive, then movement. Motive, then movement. Motive, and then movement. And so... That's, 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 that's the first point. Second point is this. Faith is belief before behavior. Faith is belief before behavior. And so um, Romans 4, 16, before I get there, he's talking about a promise. And the, the word promise is thrown around a lot in Christian, like hip Christian pastors say the promise and all that stuff like it's like this really cool catchy thing um and i think it's like one of those things that like we never we say in church but we don't define and i've been in church my entire life and i that just makes me cringe like when you say something and you like don't really define it so here's what the promise is okay when when abraham when when paul talks about abraham and he talks about the promise he's talking about general promise he's talking about god made a way for us to be in a relationship with him that's the promise for everybody. That's the promise, capital P, if you will. He made a way for us to be in a relationship with him. And then in our life, there's specific promises. For Abraham, it was that he'd be a father of many nations. For you, it might be something different. For you, it might just be that he's with you. For you, it might just be, man, um, the first thing God ever spoke to me, I was at a camp, he said, I'm with you, Matt. And that's the thing he says to me in so many ways in different seasons. I'm with you, Matt, so you have everything that you need. I'm with you, Matt, so I've prepared you for this next step. I'm with you, Matt, so, so you can lead this thing. I'm with you. That's the thing he, he, he specifically spoke to me. That's my specific promise, general promise and specific promise, continuing on 416 through 18. So the promise is received by faith. That's the, that's the capital P promise for everybody. So the promise is received by faith, and that is a given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. 
if we have faith like Abraham, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. And so um, I was able to get home for, I live in Pittsburgh, well, grew up in Pittsburgh. Um, I live in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I miss home so much. <laughs> um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and uh, I was able to go there for Thanksgiving week, and it was a lot of fun. My brother-in-law just bought a house, and it's, Pittsburgh houses are really old, just generally speaking, so uh, it's kind of, it needed a lot of renovation, and they're kind of like, uh, really, really trying to renovate it. And so, you know, I'm trying to, they're trying to move bathrooms and move rooms, and a lot of work needs to be done on this house. And so, um, you know, I was like, I was helping out. We were there all, all like afternoon, and I was uh, able to to do some work. And bef- when I was between jobs, I had a kind of prep two-by-fours, which is like the big, long, skinny pieces of wood. And to, they were just reusing them. So I had to take all the nails out, all the screws out, all the staples out, so we, they can reuse the two-by-fours. And so I kind of went by the front door. Um, there was an, a place where I was able to put it down. And I was smacking the, you know, the nails, like, ding, ding, ding. And like and old nails and old wood, you know, it sounds like, uh, you know. So it's like a lot of noise is happening, right? And, and, and I hear these two people, you know, walking by, and they say, wow, sounds like they're doing a lot of work. And I was like, I really am not doing that much work right now. Like, a lot of people in this room could do what I just described to you, like take a nail out of a piece of wood. Like, it's really not that hard. And I felt like, oh, I kind of felt convicted a little bit. Like, I was like, wait, I'm not really doing a lot of, a lot of work. It sounds like I'm doing a lot of work, but I'm not really doing a lot of work. And I know that's like a physical example, but I even apply that to my spiritual life. Like, sometimes in my life, I can make it sound like I have a spiritual life. I can make it sound like I have a spiritual walk when in reality it's just noise. I can re- I'm not really doing any work. It's just pulling nails out of a two by four. Anybody can do it. And, and sometimes we fall in this trap in faith is that we even try to convince ourselves that we have a, a walk with God when we don't. We even try to do things that are like, wow, I'm doing okay. Or we do it for other people. And so sometimes in our life, we're just making noise, whether it's for me or for others. And in reality, Paul here is saying, man, that is not what faith is. It is not behavior before belief. It is belief before behavior. Kevin, you said it great two weeks ago. It's belief before behavior. And so um, we're, we're actually, it's so interesting because we're sometimes more concerned about letting other people know how we're doing in our faith than actually tending to our soul. We're actually sometimes trying to convince ourselves that we have our spiritual life instead of, because if, if Christianity was literally doing stuff, we probably wouldn't be here. It'd just be like, okay, make sure you do A, B, and C, and that's cool. You're good. Christianity, you, know, you don't, like, if, if it was that simple, we wouldn't be here. But that's not the reality. The reality is that faith takes only belief and then behavior, belief before behavior. And so continuing on Romans 4, 17 through 21, that is what the, the scriptures mean when he told him, this is talking about Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. So that's his spe- specific promise that he was given at the age of 75. Sarah, Sarai, his wife, was 65 at that time. Way too old to be having kids. And so th- this happened because Abraham believed in the God that brings the dead back to life. And who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reasons, there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. 
believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Verse 19 says, and Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at at about 100 years of age, when God had promised him a son from his wife, Sarah, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. This is so important. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Remember that. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. God is able to provide what he promises. And so this is crazy, okay? So we just read that his faith never wavered. Let me actually tell you the story about Abraham, and you tell me if that's actually true. Abraham, at the age of 75, his wife was 65, was told a promise. He, he was given three promises in his life. The first promise was that he'd be a father of many nations. Ten years later, he decides that God probably was talking not about Sarah. Like, he put that one to, together in his mind. God said, like, you're going to be a father of many nations. And he's like, okay, I guess it's up for me to decide what that looks like. I guess that's up for me to determine what that means. And so 10 years later, after that promise, he decides to have a child with his servant, which is actually in family life back then pretty common. Not what God intended, but it was common. And so he goes and says, you know, God, I basically trust you, but I really want to take things in my own hands. Like in name, I trust you. I know you gave me that promise, but I really, I really don't. I kind of, I mean, I basically do. 99% of me does, but 1% of me doesn't. And so he has this child with Hagar, his, his servant, and then Ishmael is born, and then he literally is given the second promise, and God is giving him this promise at age 100. Ishmael is, what, 13 at this point? And so, and so he's given this promise at the age of 100, 99, and he says God's talking to him, and, he, and literally the Bible says he laughed to himself. He like, he's like, God, um, I think you're talking about Ishmael. Like, he literally said, you can bless what you just said about Sarah having a kid. You can bless it on Ishmael because I don't think it's going to happen. And so many times in our life, we, for whatever reason, don't fully trust in the promise of God. But God always provides what he promises. But for some reason, we think that we have to kind of fill in the blanks. We kind of have to do the work. Like, God, I know you're good, but I'm really going to work this out on my own. Like, God, you're really, really going to provide my needs, but I'm not going to really trust you with my finances. Or, or God, I know you're with me, but I just don't think that you're going to be with me as much as that temptation will make me feel that it's, it's with me. That's what, literally, that, that's what he's saying here. And he put behavior before belief, but check this out, back in, in verse wherever it is on the screen. It was Abraham, fourth line down, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. What? Because what, what did we just talk about? With Hagar and, and he had the kid and Ishmael. Wait. He never wavered on God's promise. Wait, 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 what? That's weird. Wait, is the Bible contradicting itself? No. The Bible is not contradicting itself. Actually, it's saying this, from God's perspective, he never wavered. We can mess up. We can screw up. But from God's perspective, 
our faith never wavers. And that's what we can have hope in today. That no matter what we do, no matter what we, where we go, no matter if we sin or if we waver or whatever we do, our faith, in, according to God, never wavers. Like, come on, isn't that exciting for you today? That no matter what happens in your life, we can stand on the truth that God still loves us, that he's still making a way, that he's still going to work out whatever we're walking through. He is God. He is going to provide what he promises. That's what it's all about. Just make sure that you put belief before behavior. Belief before behavior. He still uses his story. And check, oh, this is so good. Paul told me this when I was prepping this. He said, Abraham received the promise not because he was faithful, but because God was faithful. Wow, that is so good. Let me read that one more time for impact. (laughs) For myself too. Abraham received the promise not because he was faithful. Wow, but because God was faithful. Wow, that is so good. Worship team, would you come to the stage? He received the promise not because... He was faithful because he wasn't, but because God was. Point number three, God's promise is his presence. God's promise is his presence. Chapter 4, 22 through 25. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God would also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. That is so powerful. He handed over to die. He was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. And so here's the reality. He trusted the general promise of God that he'd be with us, that he made a way for us and then was driven daily by that specific promise. And Abraham, he didn't know that Jesus would be a thing. He didn't know that there would be a way that was made. But we do. We get to trust in Jesus Christ today. We get to know that he has made a way for you. He has made a way for you to be in a relationship with him. Trust in that today. Or maybe maybe you're here today and you're really kind of dry. And that could be just because you're, you're just going, going, going. You're in cruise control. You're here today because You know, this is something I do and I really hope God shows up this time and I really hope there's an emotional connection enough to keep me through this week because December's hard for everybody. And maybe you're here today and you said, like, I kind of just come because this is what I've always done. So catch this, Abraham trusted the general promise and then was driven by the specific promise. What's the specific promise that God has given you in your life? What is that specific thing that he has given you this season? Because that's what's going to drive you daily. That's going to be the thing that pushes you to your word, pushes you to your knees, 
that's going to be the thing. That's what Abraham did. That's why his faith never wavered, because he trusted in God's promise. So today, I'm going to give you an opportunity for communion in just a minute. But I really feel like this is a moment where where God wants to capture your heart once again. But because of what Jesus did, throw that, can you throw that verse up? That last slide, that last verse slide. Verse 24 and 25 are so powerful. Assuring us that God would also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. And that next verse. He was handed over to die because of our sin. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. But this is the beauty of the gospel. That we're no longer seen as sinners. We're no longer seen as screw-ups or mess-ups. And we're not seen as wavering faith. We aren't seen as that because of Jesus' sacrifice. That's not who we are. And if you accept by faith Jesus' righteousness on you, you live in light of what he has done. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's all on Jesus. It's all on Jesus. And this is what it's all about. His promise is his presence. It's him with us. It's Emmanuel, God with us. And so today, communion is literally that. And I want to give some extra time for communion today because communion is literally us with God. And so maybe time, I'm just going to, we're just going to allow a little bit of time today. And maybe I just want you to, if 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 you're here today and you're like, okay, I don't even know about this Jesus thing. The faith sounds really good. I really feel like I can use that in my life. The righteousness of God, that sounds good. You've never accepted Jesus in your heart, but you know that should be something that you do. That's something that you desire. Or maybe that's something that you, because you you know you need peace and you know you need confidence and you're lacking that right now. Jesus wants you to meet with him today. He wants you to enter into that relationship. And maybe you're here today, and I think a lot of us are in this boat, where we need that specific promise to drive us through this this season. So in this time of communion, we're just going to be silent for just a second, and then we're going to sing a chorus. But in that silent time, I just want you to ask God, God, what is that specific promise for me right now? Or maybe this, God, remind me of the specific promise that you've given me a long time ago because he wants you to to, to be with him today he always provides what he promises he wants you to be with him can we just allow a couple minutes for just a little bit of reflection and then we can sing this the chorus his promise still stands great is his faithfulness he's never failed but now this time I just want you to get alone with God maybe that's closing your eyes and bowing your head And just say to him, God, what is it that you want to speak to me today?